Hey, Nerdcaster is back and coming up. We're doing a full review on the show, The Marandalorian on Disney Plus. So spoilers ahead. All that and more next on Nerdcaster. Hey, welcome back to Nerdcaster. We're finally back on air, I guess. I don't know. It's happy New Year. No. Uh, yeah, Happy New Year, because this ain't coming out until then. Merry Christmas? That's past. Happy Kwanzaa. Sure. Happy Hanukkah. Happy festivals. All right, we covered them all. All right. So now that that's out of the way, uh, I got to apologize to people who actually do listen to this, the five of you out there. I'm sure there's more than that. The numbers say so. Or less. Or less. It could be less. Um... Apologize for the long hiatus. I had a lot of stuff going on between the studio move, uh, Justin breaking his leg in like 12 different places, uh, having basement flooding issues and everything else. But we're, we're back. We're finally recording. And if you didn't know, that voice you heard earlier is Ren. He's with what me tonight, up? as well as Lori. Hi. Hi. And they're both here because I lost in a bet to Ren. Can you remind me what bet you lost? When we were axe throwing for your birthday a few weeks ago, oh, you said that when we record about the Mandalorian, that right. you want to be part of the show if you beat me, and you won. Well, or did I well, lose on purpose? Well, <laughs> about that, <laughs> you, you would have been on anyway. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So well, so now that you spoiled it for everyone as to what exactly we're talking about. What do you mean spoiled it? That's usually the way I do things. I let them know as soon as we start. Uh, well, you just let them know, bro. Yeah. Just let them know. All right. So The Mandalorian. Right. On Disney Plus. Yes. Why are you, you making me nervous? <laughs> you guys have this weird, like... Like they're sharing glances. It's very uncomfortable for me, actually. Just really? watching this. Don't look at me. Yeah, now we're <laughs> going to stare at you. This what? is not even well, a video. So well, I'm going to pretend that he's not here, at least in front of my face. <laughs> and um, I'm not... you already recorded about the Mandalorian. So what's different about this episode? Why don't you tell everybody? Well, we did record about it after the first episode. We didn't do anything after that. That was, I think, the last one we posted, actually. And now that the series is over, it's time to wrap everything up, put a bow on it, and talk about what we liked, didn't like, did it measure up to what it was supposed to be, or was this just a giant hunk of dog shit that was released by Disney Plus to get people to subscribe to their service? And (laughs) I kind of vomited a little there in my mouth. Classy. (laughs) Didn't know it was coming. Um, I don't know. I, f- I feel like I watched that happen in slow motion. Maybe. I don't yeah, know. Because the eyes got all yeah, beady and buggy. I saw and then, it was bleh. coming, and then I heard the noise, and I was like... Ugh. Maybe because I tried stopping it, and now you all outed me. Anyway, thanks for that. Um, My pleasure. So last time you weren't here when we talked about it. I was not. And that was just the first episode. So let's start from the beginning. Yay. What did you think of the episodes? Uh, what did you you know? What fuck it? What the overall you, series? Yeah. As a whole, it was great. It made me want to tune in week over week. Um, 
some weeks schedule would allow with the holidays and all that. I actually got to like on a Friday morning when it dropped, get to sit down and with my morning coffee, sit down and watch the Mandalorian. Um, I think the expectations I had set for myself, which has nothing to do with Disney or the directors or producers or creators of the Mandalorian. I was expecting going in with this being, you know, $15 million an episode because Disney was not shy of what they were spending on this. And I had this like grandiose idea in my head that I'm getting an hour of Star Wars every week, regardless of what the story was. It was a story about the Mandalorian, a bounty hunter, you know, Mando or whatever you want to call him, Din Djarin, you know. I thought I was going to get an hour. Now it turns out that some of these episodes were literally like 26 minutes. Yeah, 29 minutes, 34 minutes. 29 minutes, 34 minutes, you know. In the beginning, I was a little bit let down, but it didn't, like, do anything to depreciate, like, my interest in wanting to watch it. And the fact that they dropped Baby Yoda or The Child, whatever you want to call it, in the first episode hooked everyone. I mean, (laughs) this has literally created a phenomenon that I have talked to several different people that are, like, not really Star Wars people that have gone and pre-ordered some little Yoda thing, whether it's the plush doll, the Funko Pop, whatever it is, all of them not coming out until May. Yeah. Merchandising. I think they knew what they were doing. Oh, they absolutely knew what they were doing. I did the same thing. When I first when I watched the first episode, I was I was very bored. I was kind of like, okay, like I get it. But I'm like, if this is what the whole series is this is what this is, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know about this. And then the last yeah, and Joe had watched the first episode before I did, so he's literally re-watching it with me, waiting yeah. for this moment. I knew it was going to happen, talking about me, and you make more noise than I do. I had this exact reaction that he thought that I would, yeah. which was I had a pretty minor freak out. Well, let, let's go back. You had the Ewoks. Everybody was like, oh, so cute. I didn't think they were that cute. All right, and then you had the Porgs, and you did. They're, I mean, they're cute, but... I don't know. They're okay. Now they're only okay because baby Yoda is on screen. And it's like, shit, hold my beer. Now we introduce something else cuter in this universe. It's, it's I don't know. I was kind of like, whatever about it. Okay. I think baby Yoda accomplished what the Porgs could not. Because I think there's a little bit, I mean, a lot of people like Porgs, but I don't think it got as much of, it definitely didn't get as much love as baby Yoda did. Uh, I'm very see. This is a very interesting because the three people that are sitting here, I mean, I'm older than you guys by like ten years, at, at least. So I mean, I remember seeing I Star Wars. I, I remember seeing Star Wars come out and watching it in the theater in 1978 at six years old. So like living the Star Wars was like, dude, you might be 20 years older than me. That's fine. I'm kidding. Um, That's close. <laughs> if it makes you feel better. <laughs> um. So I remember like all of this and, and and the mantra or or in my world it was like episode 4 5 and 6. Yep. And then when 1 2 and 3 came out it was like yeah don't even go watch that cuz it's horse shit. It's just Lucas trying to make money. Which in my opinion is ultimately what those I know as a director and a creator and a very brilliant man when it came to creating this universe and so on and so forth his intentions were there and him being George Lucas and creating all of these wonderful technologies that are everybody's using these days. Like he was at the forefront of that mm-hmm. in film and special effects and all that and sound. 
the premise was there. It, the execution just fell flat because it was so technologically advanced. I think this felt more like episode four, five, and six. Like they made it feel more raw. It made it feel more natural. Like bringing back all of these other, like the Porgs. And the one thing that I noticed was all of these ex stormtroopers who were still stormtroopers, but it was an intermingling of the wilderness stormtrooper from Return of the Jedi that was riding the speeder bikes. Yep. It was the regular stormtroopers, you know, no shock troopers, obviously, outside of the one lead actress. But it was like an amalgamation. Like, they literally, you could tell, like, he, they did the, a great job of telling the story of the, the Empire being in disarray. Because it was like, oh, you're a stormtrooper, come here. And come do this in the middle of a desert. But I'm a... I like trees. No, 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 no. You're coming here and go shoot those people. What I liked about this, too, is that it's telling a story of people who aren't, I mean, for the most part, aren't involved in a side. And, you know, the conflict is over, so you don't have one, like, you don't have people, like, in the resistance as your main characters. You don't have people in the Empire as your main characters. I mean, you have one who's formerly, um, or, you know, the villains, obviously, it's, it's all goes back to how evil the empire is, but I thought it was you know it's it's, it's pretty cool to see how that whole conflict affected regular people, regular people, or regular or just aliens, different people, whatever, yeah, people who weren't directly like involved on who, who weren't on a side. Gotcha. Um, I liked it more for the bounty hunter aspect. Yeah, I mean, you got the bounty hunters in episodes four, five, and six, and and you would uh, Django and Boba Fett and stuff like that. But you didn't get much into their lore and the Mandalorian lore, and you get a lot of that here. So it's another side. Like you have the Jedi, you have the Empire, you have the Senate, you have all these little pieces. This is another group or, or aspect, and I liked learning about it. But they, but they were also like, uh, what did they call it? You know, Mandalorians are not. It's a creed. Yeah, I believe is what he said. It's not a race of individual. It's a creed. Yeah. But what I'm saying is you're learning about that creed or whatever you want to call it. Well, it's they, something they were else. neutral. They, they weren't they weren't antagonists or protagonists. They were literally like They're mercenaries. Yeah. Neutral people. They were bounty hunters. I wouldn't necessarily say mercenary. They would kill if they had to kill. But but then how do you explain? I mean, without I mean, this is obviously whatever, whatever it costs yeah, to get the job I'm gonna, done. I guess so. But like, well, how do you explain how the main character becomes a Mandalorian then? Because he was a foundling. Thing, he was a foundling. But like, if you remember his flashback, you had a shit ton of them fighting off whatever it was. So the they Empire. Were they were. They were a creed. They were a pact. They protected themselves. They protected their foundlings. They protected. One of the most riveting things happened in the final episode where he went down into the caves where right, he had so been so many times. Were they and, paid to be where they were or were they just there fighting off the Empire? Because he wasn't born on I Mandalore. Think it, he, wasn't, uh, he was on his own home world when he was found. He wasn't on Mandalore. So it's like, what were they doing there? Well, this is all going to be speculation. Nobody yeah, knows. I mean, but, yeah, it's all speculation, but I would honestly... Have to say that we might find out more that him as a kid is actually he was a clone. Maybe we'll find out more of that down the road when some I hope story. Not. Oh my god, I will vomit. Everything. I, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. What one thing I'd like to do is go back and see the resemblance of him as a child, and go look at uh, Django Fett. 
Not Jango Fett, Boba, Boba Fett's Fett. kid. There's now in Clone Wars, it was Boba Fett. Go go look at Boba Fett as a kid and see how much of a similarity there are in like the two children, and maybe that might say something. Because in the beginning, when Episode One dropped, everybody was sitting here saying he's Boba Fett. Everybody- he survived the Sarlacc pit, so on and so forth. But they proved not true, obviously, and well, I it didn't hasn't think it proved was- true or not true. It's just. They're very much slow rolling the story. Well, he's not Boba Fett. No, he's not Boba Fett. That's what I mean. He's not. Um, I don't think he's a clone. I I think he had the two parents. He had those were his parents. They dead, and he was taken in exactly as it says under the Mandalore whatever Cree or whatever you want to call him the cult. And you now he's one of them. And because they protected him and they did what he did as a kid, he alleged himself with them. Um, to the point where he wouldn't take his mask off for anyone. You know, Lori asked an interesting question of, like, why were they there? I think they, as a... I'd have to do more research and maybe it's actually go back, go back and rewatch. What, what's bothering me? That, that question. I don't think you can answer that question. No, it, it, but it's a very poignant question in speaking about, like, these individuals, the Mandalore... Mandalore cult as you called them or you know group maybe they were there because it was innocence being killed and they know what it was like with the massacre of all the mandalorians back in the clone wars or maybe they were there to cash in on a bounty but there were so many there were so many so look how many people went after the child there were so many yeah but they weren't all part of the Mandalorian no those were all different bounty hunters that that was a very specific case to that you know yeah and what you know I don't know I mean and and something else maybe his father was a Mandalorian and whatever they said in the last episode they um, took off their mask and when you take them off you can't put them back on so it's possible he took off his helmet. But once a Mandalorian, always Mandalorian, and you are always protected by the Kree of the Mandalorian, just because you showed your face doesn't mean you're not a Mandalorian, doesn't mean maybe, I don't know. I mean, again, it, as you said, it's all speculation. The only point I wanted to make when I asked that question was, you know, I'm saying that they're mercenaries, you said that they're bounty hunters, and... To me, like, kind of, like, what's, you know, as a bounty hunter, like, you don't really care where the bounty comes from, like, as long as you get paid, you know, which is kind of what a mercenary does. I guess the difference would be, there is, to me, there is not really a lot of difference in that. The, 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 the thing is... Splitting hairs. When you get to that first episode, or the second episode, probably... When he's protecting the child, he goes back to his little cave um, where they give him the best car and he uses the best car and everything. And the Mandalorian there actually don't like him. They're mad at him for taking the 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 Empire best car and everything else. And, and the, the woman who, who who makes his emblem and all that shit, I can't remember her name, um, is just like, well, it's back in our group. This is where it belongs. The best car belongs to us. Doesn't matter how he gets it. Ran. Ran's our Malik. Ran's our Malk. Ran, yeah. the aging mercenary leader. She, so she's like, she doesn't care, but everybody else there kind of poo-poos him and is like, nah, man, nah, nah, nah. And they don't like him. And then at the end of the episode, they all come together to protect him. But I don't think they protect him because he's a Mandalore, a Mandalorian. 
I think they protect him because they just hate the Empire more. They never really explain that part. So I don't know. Well, that's that's what I thought. I don't think if part of the code is to take. So like they explain this in the final episode. Part of the code is like if you take a foundling, like you are responsible to either raise it and train it until it becomes of age or return it to its original race. So, you know, if he basically took the kid back and the kid's, you know, a quote unquote foundling or baby Yoda, like they fought, they saw him like basically saying, you know, F you to the empire and I'm taking this kid and I'm following that through that they kind of were like, you know what? Like he pretty much embodies like our, all our values and we're going to defend that because he did the right thing. That's how I saw that. But you didn't see that until after the the last episode where it gets explained. You kind of see that it gets explained that way, that that's how strongly they value taking in a kid. But you see it happen as soon as he goes to retrieve it and you know, basically gets shot out by the guild and he's being hunted. And he chose to be hunted instead of just taking the bounty and being... And like, notice when on. he was being hunted, even by his now ally... Uh, Carl Weathers character, um, Jobs, yeah, uh, Grief Carga was his name. Uh, Grief Carga, the Carl Weathers, yeah, we all know who that is. Uh, once ally became enemy, ally at the end. You you kind of saw when that was going down. All of a sudden, all the Mandalore came up from any, everywhere to make sure he got off planet. But that's with what, the kid. But that's what I'm talking. That part there. And they explain it there. You're our brother. Once you do the, we're here to protect our own. You're one of us. We're here to protect you. We've got your back. Uh, That's when he sees the guy with the jetpack and he goes, I need to get me one of them. Yeah. I don't remember that happening like that. They all appeared out of it nowhere and def- saved his ass. To defend against the Empire who or whoever was striking. It wasn't just... To save him and the what- kid and get them off planet. Yeah, I just don't think this would have happened. Like, if he just got into some kind of weird scuffle with the Empire or these people and there was no kid involved, I don't think they would have helped him. No, I don't think so either. It's just that they had the kid. You know what I mean? Like, he just... But they to- they said earlier in that episode that it's the bounty that he should have did what he had to do. Why? And he went against everything that and they that- believed in. And then they came back after that and basically... They chose to fight for another value that they held a little bit more closely, which is why I think with the kid, if he if he didn't have that, it would just been like, all right. I think this is very muddy waters. Then. I mean, I guess so. There's not a lot that we. I'd know, go back and watch that episode. I don't know which one that is. It's episode two or three. It's when he decides that he, uh, which was a like, there was definitely a moment there when when you saw him looking at the the lever. In the ship, and he's going to unscrew the top off, and or he was just looking at it, and then I was just like, "Oh, he's totally going back for the kid," and he <laughs> does. Um, yeah, it's episode three. Yeah, uh, I said something wrong before. Uh, the older Mandalorian who made all the signets and the armor plate yeah, and all yeah. that. Yeah, she's just known as the armorer. It, it was not a uh, whatever Matt's I called Katana. her ran. Rand Malk. She was awesome. She, at the end of that, that last episode. Where she actually fights? 
Oh, where she yeah. not only fights, she but you actually them. see some shit see, that I did not expect to see mm-hmm. happen in a Star Wars movie anywhere where she basically knocks the fucking mask off one of the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. You don't see that anywhere. Like, oh, stormtrooper. Oh, it's a little burn spot. Yeah. This is Star Wars. It's a little burn spot. You get hit by a laser. You're she down. Smashes face in. No, I, speaking of the last episode, I think the last episode is the best episode in this entire series. I think this last episode was better than the Rise of Skywalker. I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody. That's a that's a whole other discussion. That's a whole for different a whole episode. episode. Yeah. But like, I'm saying this with like having great love for the Last Jedi, and then I don't know. I kind of my faith in Star Wars kind of diminished after seeing episode nine and then i saw the final episode of the mandalorian i was like okay disney okay lucasfilm totally i I think did lucas have anything to do with this no john favreau did did it so john favreau did this all wrote the story or and then got had writers to write the story hired his own directors It, it gives me hope a new hope (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to let you have that pun. It gives it gives me hope that without um, Lucas being involved, that Help the us, the you're our only hope. <laughs> fuck your couch. <laughs> that you know they can continue to create and build stories that are going to be compelling. I, I think. So, I mean, I was the first person to come out and say after the end of episode one, where you saw Baby Yoda, uh, right away I finished the episode and. I don't know, maybe I texted you or something. I'm like, well, there's your merchandising hit. Yep, you did. There's Disney going, cha-ching. And no sooner the day that episode released, they're like, yeah, you want a Baby Yoda doll? Get it in May. We're taking pre-orders. They know, what, they know how to merchandise. There's so, no other company in the world that can do that better. The one thing I will give credit to, and now there, it, it's, a, it's a double-edged co- coin, because Pablo Pascal, as we know, played the Mandalore. Mm-hmm. The only time he ever was in that suit was in the final episode where they take the helmet off and show his face. His face. Yeah. Outside of that, it was a stunt actor the entire time, and he just voiced the character. It was all ADR. That don't bother me. I, well, no, no, no. I think just because you don't see somebody's face, like, and but in the majority of the time. It's a typical Star Wars trick, though, because James Earl Jones did not play Darth, Darth Vader, Vader at all, and it was all done via ADR. Yeah. Uh, did you, speaking of not taking off his helmet, did you see the cast photo of the Mandalorian after they wrapped? No. Everybody in the cast was standing there in the photo, and the Mandalorian wouldn't take off the helmet. So in the cast photo, in the wrap-up, he still had the helmet on. I thought that was that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, he, cool, he's but he's, now that I learned that he only wore it one episode, I kind of think it's a little disingenuous. I'm just like, you only wore it once. How do you know it's him in it? It could be the stunt actor. I hope it's the stunt actor <laughs> at this point. Well, that's probably why he <laughs> yeah, didn't. Was he on. in the photo? The Mandalorian? No, Pablo Pascal. I didn't notice him in it. I just noticed the uh, Carl. If Weathers Pablo Pascal was in there and the Mandalorian yeah. was in with the helmet on. There's yeah, your answer. I'd have to go look at that, actually. I'd have to go. I didn't look at it hard enough to, to tell that. Now, you, before we uh, started recording this, it came across that season two has been confirmed by Disney. Yep. They are doing a season two. Uh-huh. I think they, I, I, I honestly think they could take this series. Okay. And maybe get three to five years out of it. Three to five seasons out of it. I see three. 
And the reason why I'm saying is, is we have not even delved into anything that's occurred in flashbacks because we know how they all love to do their flashbacks in these type of shows as to what happened after he was found. So his upbringing, who, who trained him, him and who who his You're mentor was and everything. I, I think so, too. I think season two is going to be a lot of flashbacks, and it's going to be the hunter where to drop this kid off. Because a it's lot of... Arrow did a little bit. Like, they gave you his background, like, of him, like, being on the island Leanne, for like, yeah. a long time. And then, yep. Which actually ended up being the season two would piss me off a little. I'm sorry to interrupt oh, you, yet, but, like, it kind of pissed me off a little bit because I'm just like, oh, we're going backwards now. I hate going backwards for, like, an extended amount of time. I, Arrow, I th- they did it. They ended up doing it right. But. I think Arrow did it right with giving backstory and doing it in a flashback kind of way, I, I think now it's like everybody's jumping into that. And maybe I'm noticing it more because the lady and I have been watching um, Once Upon a Time. And that, <laughs> and that show is full of nothing but What season flashback. are you in? Uh, got like one episode left of season two. Okay, that's where we stopped. Yeah, you it just, just, just stop so after that. So Apparently season three... It's terrible. From other people I've talked to is crazy good because it takes everything that you ever would possibly think about Peter Pan and turns it on its head. Once yeah. they introduced Peter Pan, I got mad. Because yeah. I'm just like, you're doing this again? Like with the... It is just the one show that just shoehorns everything in there. And they, they don't have any planning involved whatsoever. And it just... Ridiculous! It is but the, the most crazy, ridiculous soap opera. Okay, uh, okay. Sidebar here. We are getting off topic. Yeah. But the crazy thing about that show is that it managed to last seven seasons. It, it, it did, and last its ratings. Seasons. If you go to Wikipedia and look at its, its rating scale, were through the roof, even until season yeah. seven, which knows that when everyone's like, "Yeah, you just well, jumped the shark." What they did in season six to season seven, something happens. I'm going to ruin it because you're watching it, um, and it caused that nosedive. So. But getting back to this, yeah, um, characters that were very pivotal to me. Uh, it's we funny. Can take that I turn. Do you want to get into this? Um, I think Carl Weathers played a great part. I mean, uh-huh. Carl Weathers has been in some really pivotal, pivotal TV shows mm-hmm. and films, and he's had a, a storied career. He played this role very well as the magistrate or ex-magistrate, whatever you want to call it, head bounty hunter. Yeah. Um, and Nick Nolte as uh, Khalil, I think his name, K-U-L-I-L. I've spoken. I don't remember his name. Oh, that's Nick Nolte played that's that Nick character? That's Nick Nolte. I didn't know that. Did not know that. Dynamite. 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 Role. He is hey, actually. Now, now, now that you know it's Nick Nolte, yeah. go rewatch it. And they, the, the uh, what was the race? The Huguenot? Yeah. He looks like Nick Nolte. I, I, thinking about it, I can see it, but he was actually one of the characters I really like and feel the most bad for. All he wanted to do was I retire, but all he wanted to do was retire, do his own thing, and be done with it. He gets pulled back into this horse shit because and of the Mandalorian, he gets and he helping. gets punished for helping. He fucking dies. And I think um, Mandalorian, Mando, Din Djarin, whatever. We'll, we'll just call him Mando for the Mando. sake of this episode. Um it was a very poignant, pivotal part where they actually show that he buried him. Yeah, like he, he actually, came back. He came it, back to do that. And one of the, the coolest things through this entire thing is like when you first met the Mandalorian, he was very like mission focused. Like, go get my bounty, pay me. Yep. Go get my bounty, pay me. And all of a sudden he finds the child and it totally turns it on his head. And like from episode 
I would say maybe episode three uh-huh. forward, you just see this like arc of humanization going on with him. But he still keeps some values. That's the one thing. Like well, he, he would he not keeps, take he, off the. He does keep to it, but like he, like he says, I think having he becomes like, human. Well, he's responsible for. But he was a human. Being. But I'm just saying, you're, you're it, get the humanity aspect as well. You're saying. getting this humanity, like he. he he felt a duty, like, what are you going to do to the kid? And all of a sudden he finds out what you're going to do to the kid. Oh, you're not going to answer me, so which means you're going to fuck this kid up or kill this kid? Yeah, I'm not having that. But he wasn't supposed to ask that. He don't care, though. But that's part of that creed. That's, that's what that I was trying human, to say before. But that's part of the humanization of him. I understand that. But like the Mandalorian guy said to him, he's like, you don't ask those questions. You do what you need to do. You take the bounty and you're done. And that's another reason they started like poo-pooing him and saying, like, nah, he, he's not doing what he's supposed to do. That's why I don't understand that part going back to what I said earlier, where yeah, they all I don't helped think they him. Didn't, I don't think they, re- they didn't know that he, the bounty was a child, like a kid. And I'm pretty sure that they're all like, we don't do that to kids. Yeah, I mean, the whole, after their entire race was massacred and there was like, we'll call Twelve it. Twelve left. Uh, yeah, the, a dozen to two yeah. dozen of them left in existence. Their whole mode changed from that to survival, and it was taken. And the and the only thing they knew was finding a foundling, a child, raising it, and teaching it the ways of the Mandalore. This is the way, and that's how they did it. So now, all of a sudden, he's literally the last Mandalorian right now, outside of the armor, who I'm sure we'll see. At some point in episode two, after that's, she just fucks some shit but up. But that's another thing, because we talked about this earlier. That, it doesn't mean that he's the last one. They all took off their helmets. Some of them may have survived. They didn't all... No, they're all... They're dead. It's not no, what no, she no. says. She She's, says She says some of them may have gotten off planet. Yeah. Some of them, but all, he's talking about the giant pile of helmets that's underground. That's because they all took their helmets off and left. Thank you. See, he, he, he gets oh, it. Oh, okay. All some right, of them guys. may still be in... Town or on the planet. So, wait a second. So I guess explain this to me. So they took off. She said that they took off all their helmets and then they just outed. The, they bounced. And, but hold on. I think because of what he did and he broke the creed, they came back after they saved his ass and were like, fuck this. I'm out. If he can go do that and break all this, fuck this shit. Take helmet off, put it down, I'm out. So that completely destroys, like, why I think that they helped him. Why why even That's just speculation. The other speculation is, is the Empire came in. They were getting Who wiped them out in the first place? And they're like, fuck this shit, I don't want to die. I'm out. Here's the other thing, though. They can still be Mandalorian or, or, or be in this Kree and take off their helmet. They just can't put it back on. So to save their own ass and keep themselves alive to keep this Kree going... They took off their helmets and dispersed against against their own will and dispersed to regroup later. That's what I think happened. That's my speculation. So just because they took it off doesn't mean they're outed by their group. It just means they can't put it back on. And I think it's more prestigious to have the helmet on than to have taken it off and not be able to put it back on. I agree. Uh, so that's that's my speculation about this whole thing. I thought they literally came down there and like. Can wipe her the fuck no. out. Then why? Then how did the armorer still live? Oh, no. Again, I didn't. I clearly didn't think that one through. Um, getting back to characters, I think uh, Gina Carano did an amazing job with the shock trooper Kara. Yeah, I got a question. What's her real name? Do you have that on your notes? Gina Carano. Okay, never mind. C A R A N O. 
I didn't know. She kind of, Lori brought it up at one time that she kind of looked. Cynthia Dune, a former rebel shock trooper turned mercenary from Alderaan. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So some of the things that have gone through my head as this entire season's gone on and other conversations I've had with other people and on my podcast, you know, having conversations with another guy who holds a podcast. I think you met him, Dustin. Yes. Dustin and I had a conversation about um, this whole thing, and he's the one who was like, oh, that's Boba Fett. He survived the pit. I'm like, it's not Boba Fett, and here's the reason why. So the, we got into a big conversation about where, what is the timeline and how old is he? Well, I know the timeline of this. I don't know how old well, he is. I know now. the timeline. It's five years after Return of the, Return Jedi. Of the Jedi. 14 years before the, uh, the Force Awakens. Right. So how old is he? And where does this put him during Return of the Jedi or the Clone Wars? He's too young. So how many years? How Wars. many years take place between A New Hope uh-huh. and Return of the Jedi? I do not have an answer for that. Okay, so but look, the, it can't be the Clone Wars because that would be Episode Two, and that's way too young for him because that would be Anakin age, right? So it's so, not so. This is this is the whole like conversation. Like, how old is he actually? Where? What is the timeline? Where does he? And, and this is all going back to where does he fit into the Boba Fett timeline? My guess. Where is he? How old is he at the time in Return of the Jedi when Boba Fett, quote unquote, gets eaten in the Sarlacc pit? That rumor has that he survived and has spent his waking days looking for Han Solo. So, if I'm going to guess, and this is just a guess. He becomes orphaned during either A New Hope or The Empire Strikes Back. Because that's when the Empire is at their height and they're fucking planets up left no, and right. No, this takes place five years after? Five years after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. yeah the, in between A New Hope and Return of the Jedi isn't that many years. No, I don't. it can't be because Luke lives through all of that. And he's still whatever age Luke is. Luke, it doesn't go from like being... Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so I don't think... So it can't be like 50 years. But then you got the 14... You got five years after return. So there's five years there. Yeah. So that makes him 10. 14 years... Wait, makes who 10? Saying he was born at the Empire Strikes Back. Or not at the Return of the Jedi. Or the... In the say the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Mando is born during the Empire... No, Return of the Jedi. That would make him five at the start of this, yeah. which is not true. No, it doesn't make sense. So he was either born again, either probably, yeah, around a new hope or whatever. And that makes him. Yeah, no, it don't I work. I was going to say, what I'm it trying to work. tell you is that there's not that many years in between the two films. Okay, I, I, found, I found something here. Um, does anybody know what BBE, BBY stands for? Yes. Uh, yeah. It, it's, uh, it's the years. Before Battle years. of Yavin. Yeah. Before Battle of Yavin. Okay. So yeah. episode one, Phantom Menace, wow. 32 BBY. Right. Did you see what the new visual dictionary is trying to ship out as far as a new year's timeline? No. Before or after the Starkiller incident? Uh, Attack of the Clones, 22 BBY. Yeah. Clone Wars movie, 22 BBY. Clone Wars TV series 22 to 19 BBY. I watched that. Episode 3, Revenge of Sith, 19 BBY. Yeah, he might have been born right around that time. Solo, a Star Wars story, estimated 13 to 10 BBY. Star Wars Rebels, 5 to 1 BBY. Epilogue after 4 ABY. 
Rebels is a really good show. If you haven't seen it, and I know you don't like animated, dude, but it is really good. Rogue One, a Star Wars story, zero BBY. Episode four, A New Hope, zero BBY to zero ABY. Yeah. Um, uh, Empire Strikes Back, three ABY. Return of the Jedi, four ABY. So that puts Mandalorian at 10 ABY. So if he were 30, yeah, that would put him around 20 BBY. I don't think he's 30. Solo, a Star Wars story. I could be wrong. I don't no. think he's 30. No, I don't know. Oh, 30 would put him around uh, Revenge of the Sith. I think he's younger than that. If he's younger than that, then he was born right around or right after Revenge of the Sith. Okay. And Revenge that was really, Sith, I mean, and it makes sense because that is right there, like when the the empire is really, like this, the I'm, Republic, the Republic's dead at that, well, you know, at that point. Mandalorian 10 ABY. They're saying six years after. Yeah. Also, just something else I just read on Forbes. Not that that's just, this is like the end all be all Star Wars stuff. Um, fast forward. Says... They make their way through the tunnels and finally come to the Mandalorian court, only to find a heaping pile of Mandalorian helmets and the place deserted. The only survivor is the armorer, who tells them the Imperials showed up after the fight with the bounty hunters and wiped them out. This is where I find myself having some quibbles about the episode, blah, blah, blah. And they have the same, this article has the same questions that you guys just had about how did the Imperials wipe all this out, why is she the only one left, etc., but that's why he asked, are there any, not anyone left, There's are there any survivors is the question yeah. he asked in the episode. And I remember him asking, which is why I thought, yeah, they came down there and they got wiped out. Some huh. of them may have survived. Some and of them may have survived by. and left. So, right. uh, of course, Awakens is 30 years later from A New Hope. Okay. 34 ABY. Huh. So... All right. So, the, Not, I mean, that, that that's the most interesting question to me that I've taken away from all this is, at what point in time does his journey intersect with the rest of the lore? Like, I that's something that has yet to be... I don't think you'll ever see this intersect with any of the movies or anything like that. This is a separate story. I, I you, get all that, you though. You may but hear you want, what's going on around the galaxy. To, you want to tie it all together as to, like, you know, he was born I don't, during though. the age of... <laughs> yeah, but it, it kind of helps. You want to tie it to, like, oh, he was born... Did he ever cross paths with Boba Fett? Like, is that is that ever going to be anything? Got to remember, Boba Fett had eight speaking lines in every single instance he was there. Yeah. But he was one of the most impactful characters that somehow, some way... Has a cult following around them. Yeah. I, I get that. My thing is, this takes place over an entire galaxy, entire universe. Not everybody is going to cross paths with everybody. Well, you, you, did you notice that in Episode 7, where did they end up? Episode 7. Uh, that's Force Awakens? No, Episode 7 of The Mandalorian. Oh, Episode 7 of The Mandalorian. Where did uh, they end up on? Tatooine. I know. And I was kind of like, really? We're, we're going to Tatooine. Why, out of all the other planets, how come they didn't go to Batu? But the crazy thing is, is how many other planets did they go to where they're Jawa? Jawa? 
Where did they go? Where they uh, came across the Huguenot? Nick Nolte's character. I don't remember the name of that planet, but yeah, uh, there were Jawa there. Okay, there, there, there. There's. I, I don't know how there to. Are humans on lots of planets. Yeah. Everybody travels all over the place, so so I get it. races could go anywhere in this yeah, but universe. They're, they're little tiny people that but like, they're not, live on the ground and they're scrappers. Yeah, but they they're not, not getting in a spaceship and flying to another planet. Maybe they did at some point, or maybe they were taken hostage and ended up somewhere. Who knows what happened? You don't know, man. It's a huge universe. You have rats yeah, in I'm New York. You that look. You have I mean, rats. Really, in, bro? You have rats in New York City. There's rats in California too. It's still Earth, bro. But they're still foraging. Uh, they're like they're like rats. They're everywhere. I'm not buying it. You don't have to buy it. But there's rats in Africa too. How long before we see Jar Jar? I, uh, I don't think you'll ever see him again. Not Jar Jar, but Jar Jar's I don't race. Think you'll see the Gungans again either. The Gungans end up getting wiped out at some point in time. I don't. I don't know when. It's not a big deal. Okay, uh, season two. What race do you well, think would be brought in? In season two, I think we're going to see new races. I like the fact they brought in more of the Twi'lek, the the assassin woman from I think it was episode six, and that whole group of where Bill Burr plays the Ming assassin. Ming Na Wen. No, the Twi'lek, the blue girl with the 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 like. Dread uh, things. Oh, I don't yeah, 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 She's yeah. the assassin for that older dude who apparently worked with Mando at some point in time. Um, I like to call him Santa Claus. Uh, I think I would like to know more of their history. He apparently worked with them. He apparently did missions with them. So I think they're going to have a bigger um, presence in season two because they all survived other than um, Santa Claus and the one Twilight asshole guy. The brother and sister, they rescued the brother from the prison and they had, they got Mando to help. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she and that whole group that got captured that Mando locked in, in there. I think we're going to see a lot more of them in season two or not a lot more. I, I think, think we will. Interesting at all. I don't think so either. I that episode filler. was a bunch of filler. Yeah. I I, 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 but I filler. think it's filler to set up for the next season. That's what I think that was. You're going to hear about his missions elsewhere and they're going to cross paths again. I think we're done with the people we've seen this season. He leaves them on that planet. I don't think we're going to come back here. I don't think that's going to happen. I disagree. I think he will come back. I think you'll see uh, Cara Dune again. I don't think so. I, I think I don't. I don't think so. I think every season is going to be something completely different with new characters, and we're not going to revisit the old ones. Do you think he has a different faith in droids now? I do. I do think that got really questioned in this last episode with the nursing the. the Nursing protocol. Well, I'm trying to... Uh, with the IG droid. IG-11. Um, yeah, being um, like a mercenary type droid, a bounty hunter droid, to turning into this nursing droid at the behest of um, Nick Nolte's character. Not the behest. Cool. He, he reprogrammed. He repro yeah, so he didn't have to do that. Um, and uh, the R2 unit that brings him downstream now... And it's like, nope, I'm taking you all to your death. I think that was a little bit of problematic. Yeah, but that wasn't him. That was her. That was Kara who blew its head off. Who blew its head off. But again, he's trusting droids. But this one is leading them to their death. I still think. Not like on purpose. I don't think there was like a malicious intent. I well, think remember, he has he a soft spot for that droid is what I'm saying. Let me just. Skip. Well, he killed it first. Yes. 
but then it became a nursing droid and it helped him out and then blew himself up and sacrificed himself for them. So his faith in droids, I still think, is shaky. But I, I think, think we're going to see more of uh, oh, what the hell is his name? I don't think you're going to see much more of anyone in this first season other than the Mandalorian and maybe the child. Okay. No, I, I don't disagree. I'm trying to find who Moff Gideon. Oh, yeah, dude. He is by far Giancarlo Esposito. He is he is played in some crazy ass roles. And he, plays, his worst roles are the roles where he plays a villain. Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. I love this dude. He was in one of the seasons of Dexter and he played a fucking awesome bad guy in Dexter. Um, I think it was season three. Don't quote me on it, uh, but you're going to look it up. So go ahead. Um, his character in that final episode was amazing. I love him as a bad guy. I love the fact he broke out that black lightsaber. It wasn't a lightsaber. It was a sword that was electric. It's a black lightsaber made from a black kyber crystal, which there's only one it's other. A, well, it's a weapon that, you know, it's kind of like, do you remember the uh, the Praetorian Guard in The Last Jedi? They had yeah. like lightsaber-esque weapons too, but they weren't, it wasn't just like your traditional like cylindrical blade this thing looked like it had edges to it like a sword i gotcha legitimate laser sword that hurt oh brian you're funny did you ever watch breaking bad breaking yes he was gus yes gustavo frick wait a minute maybe i'm confusing it with dexter the chicken the the chicken uh place owner Yes, yes, I'm confusing Chicken it with Breaking Bad. No, yeah, no, 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 Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Breaking Bad where he, he was amazing. He was also in Once Upon a Time. I watched two seasons. We were on over this. He was mirror, mirror on the wall. That's right. So he was in the first two seasons. But I don't think his character in that really... He I was in Revolution. He was a badass in that. Didn't watch the whole thing. Watched only season one. Westworld, like he was in that. Laszlo. Didn't watch that. But no, Moth Gideon is Moth Gideon is probably my favorite character in this entire series. He plays Lex Luthor in the Harley Quinn show you're watching. Yes. He's the voice of Lex Luthor. Which I gotta catch up on that too. I'm like two or three episodes behind. So yeah, I mean his career is it goes But back. that last episode we were all saying how was do we all agree it is the best episode in this entire season? Because I think it is. I think it tied everything together. I think everything led up to this battle and the standoff between Moff Gideon, the Mandalorian, um and the rest of the group was the best period. And the fact that the director was Taika Watiti was amazing. You alright? Yeah, I keep I have gas problems in my chesticles. I think episode Sanctuary was a good episode. That was episode four? Yeah, it's when they're <laughs> in the village with uh, all the kids and he wanted to leave the child behind because the child was playing with all the other kids and he seemed happy. It's when he took his helmet, he takes his helmet off for the first time in the hut. Yep. And she's trying, and he almost courted the chick, and the chick and him. Blah, he blah, didn't blah. almost do nothing. <laughs> he did not. He was not. He, even... he he wanted to get a little. I don't unlucky. think. I don't think so. I think you know, he... I thought that episode was really great because, to me, at that point in time, was hugely pivotal in this whole humanization process. That I was going I on think that. that's where he did a lot of his thinking, where his values and, and 
he he his inner self i guess um decided that he but was going to take this child on and not just that he also learned to trust another person who was not part of the guild the ex stormtrooper chick the ex shock trooper yeah Tara. yeah uh agreed and uh, the, f- the prisoner that was bullshit i think with that episode and the fact that she killed that bounty hunter that had him in the cro- that had the ba- the child in the crosshairs uh proved to him that he could trust her though because she was like, you got to epi- take this child and get off world. He's An not safe here anyway. tied that all together when the nursing droid XG11 XG11, IG-11, yeah. IG-11 was like, you take the child. I will take care of him. And that whole point there, See, he's like, when he's like, I'll kill you. And he's like, I'm not human. Yeah. So he could be seen. It doesn't matter. See, what bothered me about that is his programming, his base programming. And I said this multiple times in episode seven and eight of The Mandalorian is to take care of the child. So giving up the child to take care of the Mandalorian goes against his base programming. Unless I'm missing something here, and I very well could be. I think you saw a humanization of the robot as well. And that's a problem. That's the AI. Uh, but if his it's base the AI. Pro- then, then why is but it... But uh, also a- remember, if you go back to the very episode where they landed to get repair or to drop the kid off to get watched or whatever, maybe episode seven when he's talking to... Uh, Krill, and he's like, I think it's Krill, um, the whole nursing droid episode. That's he's seven. like, I reprogrammed him. Yeah, that's seven. So there was no talk of base programming at that point. Now all of a sudden it's like, okay, if you want to have a problem with it, I can kind of sign on to it. I thought about that for a hot second, and then I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, he's like, oh, I'm a nursing robot now. I don't kill anyone. So I well, get no, it. That I only protect the, the no, child. It's all the, about protecting the child. Well, but if you no. think about everything he said... My base programming is to protect this child. The only way to protect this child is to sacrifice myself. I have to fall back to my main protocol, which is I can't be captured. Yes. So he he did it as an act of saving the child. I I get that. That's not the part I have a problem with. The problem is he gives the child up to Kara or whoever to help the Mandalorian. He he by his programming should not give a shit about the Mandalorian because the child is safe either way. They're leaving. They're getting the hell out of there. He should just take the child and go. He at that point he has no idea that he needs to blow himself up for the uh, against those stormtroopers later on. So why does he stay and help? I think he Mando. I think he witnessed a bunch of humanization that was going on of Mando. Willing to sacrifice himself to save them all, leave me behind, take the child to safety. Because they do do cutscenes of flashing back to him, just like head spinning around, looking at Mando and looking at the situation, looking at what's going on. Maybe they're taking like modern day AI intelligence and putting it in play. How people think today. Well, back in the day, that would have never ever been a thought. Yeah. Nowadays, it's like oh. Every commercial on TV is like, how AI can work for you. (laughs) Everyone has a talking fucking device in their house, a speaker of some sort, or a phone that can talk to you. Personal assistance. All right, well. I mean, is it right? Maybe not. Are they going into a gray area? Most likely. But is anybody outside of us who are sitting here analyzing it going to go? nerding out this deep? (laughs) Are they really going to be like, oh my God, no, that's so fucked up. No, people are going to be like, wow. Look at the robot being a human. 
I don't. I don't know. Hey I th- Siri, I think would you defend no. yourself for me? I think. Well, that's hilarious. That's a great Reddit meme right there. But I think you're underestimating the fan, the Star Wars fan base. It's full of these people who overthink everything. Every line of dialogue leads into something else. So the ones finding 104 Easter eggs. You know, in the films, the same people watching. So I think that they'll absolutely think about all this. I think, back to your point, like the robot doesn't have to save Mando, doesn't have to save him when he's gravely injured. Could have just left him there and just taken every. And it didn't, you know, wouldn't have mattered. Could have made a speedier escape. Um, Maybe could have, you know, hit out, you know. But at the same point, the show's called The Mandalorian. (laughs) Well, it's called, well, that's what it's called. But at the same time, like the droid said that he's looking out for like the you know the best interest so not just in preventing the kid from dying but to you know best interest of best the interest child. well-being and so i thought like it had a chance i guess a better life with the mandalorian rather than them all dying and the kid lives with a droid i i think some of what they did too was to because you gotta, you have to understand. Like this is the first instance since Star Wars that you have a droid that speaks outside of three PO. No. K two S O. Yeah, Rogue One. K two S O. Okay, but a I main, was upset when he died. But a main I character, a main character who is throughout the entire saga trilogy is C three PO, and what do we all know? C three PO. He's a nervous Nelly. Uh, always worried about everything. R2, don't do that. And all of a sudden you have this droid here who all of a sudden walks out into a hallway, kills a bunch of stormtrooper, comes back and goes, you are all protected. <laughs> and just walks in like it's nobody's business. Like He's like the badass droid now, which is complete opposite of what 3PO was. He's like, I can't do that. I'm in a... And he's Chewbacca only a, carrying around 3PO in a backpack? In programming, Ren. Well, 3PO... He was programmed by like an eight-year-old kid. She's right on that. But 3PO's whole whole purpose, he's not a battle droid. It's droid. just translation. Um, I think they tried to take even... the comic relief of... Because 3PO had a bunch of comic relief. I mean, when you look at it, in hindsight, you look at 3PO, he was like the droid version of trying to give comic relief. Like, everyone's like, oh. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden you have this droid. He's like, you have a problem with your central processing unit. He's like, you mean my brain? He's yeah. like, it was a joke. Ha, ha, ha. You know, like I. What's also funny about three PO is he has worry. He is a droid. How does a a robot have worry? That's where empathy. Yeah, yeah, his program could be empathy, but he legit has worry when something goes wrong, or like he knows something. He shouldn't be walking through this battlefield with R two D two, but he does it anyway. Well, what about when uh, when? Let's go back to K2SO. He frequently tells everybody what the odds are in any yeah. situation to the point. Well, that's his comic really. To the point to don't tell me. I told you not exactly, to tell just me. Just like, you know, just, you know, shut up. Yeah. So maybe 3PO has the same exact capability, just displays it in a weird way. So like when there's like a 90% a chance of failure, he's like, well, man, like, fuck this. <laughs> so instead of saying, you know. You have a 90% saying, chance you're going to die. Yeah, instead of saying that, he's just like, oh, I don't think we should do this, guys. You know, or, you know, says whatever he says. <laughs> so uh, my, my, my wild off-the-cuff prediction for season two is we are going to get the third droid 
that will win the hearts of people that everyone is going to need to have, just like you had R2-D2, yeah. then you had BB-8, next season in The Mandalorian, you will have well, some really cute droid that everyone's going to want. Because, that's not even fair, then. But there, there's a cute droid. <laughs> it's what it's going to be. Uh, you didn't see The Rise of Skywalker yet, right? Our no. wallets don't well, stand a chance. There is a cute droid in Rise of Skywalker. He's not that cute. I uh, do not think he would. I thought it was okay. Wasn't BB-8, not BB-8 level, not even like a quarter of BB-8 B- level. BB-8 is badass droid. BB-8's my favorite droid. I like BB-9 better. Well, okay, first of all, and I'm going to dime something out here. So my mother sends me a, 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 a BB- text 8. message. Oh. She's like, what's your favorite Star Wars character? I'm like, uh, from when? I'm like, you can't just say that. Why did you do that to your poor mother? You just can't. My mother knows. My mother buys me something Star Wars every year. And, that, and then, her, then his mother was just like, come on, just tell us. I know she, she knows more of the no, lore no, no. than he so, does so, probably. So my mother being my mother is like, no, no, no. Was it Chewbacca, Darth Vader, uh, R2-D2, or a Stormtrooper? And I'm like, uh, definitely a stormtrooper. I'm like, where are you going with this? I'm like, well, it'd have to be R2-D2. Because when I was a kid, I had a wall switch cover that was R2-D2 that you flipped the switch in the middle of his belly that turned the light on, turned the light off. It fit over a regular light switch. I was like, well, it has to be R2-D2. All of a sudden, my birthday arrives. And all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. And there's a delivery guy. My mother bought me for my birthday. Tell me you got an R2 unit. I got an R2-D2. Wall plate. Instapot. What? <laughs> That's awesome. All of a sudden, I go up, pick up my kid for Christmas. I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, Dad, I got to give you my presents. I'm like, uh, all right, kid. Give me your presents. And he's like, here you go. Like, go open this thing. one first. So my, my son goes through and I open. I got a nice mug and all this shit. I open the last present. Like, this is the last one. He's like, this one's cool. My son gives me an R2-D2 mini crock pot. Oh, shit. That's awesome. So I have more R2-D2 now. I might as well just go buy a droid. Hey, man. I know where you can get one. I know where you can get a BB-8 unit. Functioning BB-8 unit? Can it torture the dog? Remote control. I could have bought one of those at Barnes & Noble like a year ago. Probably. I mean, it was like this big. Yeah, about that big. (laughs) Not full size or nothing. (laughs) Isn't that the size of Full a BB-8 size, unit? No, BB-8, he's pretty big. He's at the size of like a medium-sized dog. No, BB-8, it's like a yoga ball. Like a what? Yeah, no, a small like, yoga ball. Yeah. What the fuck's a yoga ball? It's like a ball you like sit on. You can do, like, it helps you with like, leverage. And... It fixes your core, bro. It's bigger than a medicine ball? Yeah, bigger yeah, than a medicine slightly. ball. Full of air. Why do I picture a BB unit being like the size of a medicine ball with a littler ball on top of it? No. No, he's bigger than that. Comes up above the knee. Mm-hmm. I have to see they this thing stand. His belly like he's a dog. I have to. I never took notice of BB-8. Uh, we're size, done with actually. this episode. We're going to watch uh, whichever one he has. Whichever one he has a bigger role in. Uh, I mean, nobody it, cares about anybody. We else could just watch BB-8. The Force Awakens, no. and he's the right Force next Awakens, to Pro, right yeah. in the very beginning. The Force Awakens is BB-8's biggest role. Um, I like how we're talking about what the biggest role of BB-8 is right now. No, no, no. My point is you're going to see their next marketing gem next year because you already have Baby Yoda. You can't re-monetize that shit. No. You're what gonna comes have to have next? Something, yeah. 
a droid, and it's going to be something super cute like BB-8 or R2-D2 or something like that that will steal the world where it can be a drone. Think about what Disney could possibly do with this. Increase drone sales by coming out with a flying fucking droid. That would be interesting. Be like Eve from Wally. Ugh. Yeah, could be. Wally was the last droid that stole my heart. Wally. I did she not like that. that movie. I love that movie. That movie was like so anything good. that makes him feel guilty about the way he lives. All right. So before we start a Joe bashing <laughs> session, I'm going to bring this to an end. Um, but wait, we're just getting started. On the Joe bashing session. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. Right? That's, that's, that's a different day. So going around the horn, what is your favorite part? Out of this whole entire series or favorite character, something that, that sticks with you now, that comes to your brain right now. Lori, go. Um, probably when Mando was dying. and IG-11. That, yeah, that, that exchange right there I thought was really well written. Oh, also, I'm sorry. I have another one I just thought of. At the beginning of that episode, the two troopers having a normal-ass oh. work conversation. They're just having the realest, most relatable conversation that you could have. But you want them to die because they literally they punch a baby like so, three I, times. Yeah. So my favorite part is not them punching the baby. I just that's when I knew <laughs> they were gonna. That's when I knew that they were gonna die. And tell us how you really feel. Well, well, well because that, that kind ding, of ding, like, ding. Oh, you take the two. One, you take literally the two most relatable characters in the whole episode, and you're just like, oh, I don't feel bad that they're gonna die. And I thought that was an extremely like well written and well directed that entire scene. It felt a little long. But once I saw who the director wait, was, I'm wait, like, when an episode's 32 minutes long, it's not really that long. That, that episode scene? was 42. Well, or that, 40 I just ish. felt like that scene was a little bit long. I, I agree. But the setup and the payoff for that scene where the IG-11 comes in and fucking destroys them mm-hmm. and they get what's coming to them because they punch this little baby child thing mm-hmm. um, was, was Call pretty it what good. what it is, Baby Yoda. I'm not calling it Baby Yoda. Um uh, me? Yours. Uh, it's got to be from start to finish, maybe outside of episode one, just the, I'll include episode one, from being a stone cold mercenary slash bounty hunter, that whole, so humanization, the whole humanization arc to me is like what really kept me going, invested, and I mean, I'm looking forward to season two. I mean, I will probably... Make my girlfriend sit down and watch this just to see her impression of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not. A, it, this is not a large investment in time. It, it, it's, it's like not. five hours of your life, maybe. Yeah, maybe if you tally it all up. But I mean, yeah, that whole humanization arc, and I'm curious to see where they take it. I, I, I mean, now he has the creed: it's yours to raise or bring it home. And, and I think season... he's like, you want me to search the entire See... universe for where this thing comes from? And that's where season two is. It's him trying to find out where this thing lives. And when he gets I there, know. I do. And when he gets there, it's going to be death and destruction. Do... Nothing left. Either that or do I leave him here or am I so attached to him? I'm going to raise him myself and he takes him back. I think he's going to raise him himself. I don't because you like. Got to remember, Yoda was always for the longest time. The only one of his race. Touted as the last one of his race. That's so why I think so this baby is, this is a clone. Born? It's a clone. It's a clone Yachty of whatever Yoda. Because in the first episode, you see a scientist. Is it a clone or a him. love child of Yachty and Yoda? Uh, it's, it's a clone. 
because there's a scientist who wants him for whatever reason, and it's a scientist. It's, the My scientists guess is want, no, they it's wanted to them study for the, this clone no, for the want, force power. Uh, what, what are they called? The midichlorians. Midichlorians. I think it's because he was a clone, and he's the only one left of the clone of that race. That's why I think they wanted him to study him. No, because you got to remember, the Jedi is gone as far as they're concerned. But that, the little baby child thing ain't a Jedi. He's a Jedi. He, no, 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 no. He's very force sensitive. What? I didn't hear what she said. The armor even said, we fought next to what was formerly known as the Jedi. She's the, the fir- for the first no. time drops Jedi powers. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm confused right in, now. In the tunnel at the very end, pile of helmets. Yeah, Everyone yeah, yeah. died. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, somebody said something about the child had powers to protect him and move things. And this is the child that saved me. And she's like, we fought next to these people. And he's like, oh, the enemy. And she goes, no. And she dropped the term Jedi. Yeah, she says that the sor- the sorcerer, like a source. I know it. I know the part you're talking about. Sorcerers or whatever of the Jedi. But she also says like she knew or she's heard of, known of, seen powers like this from them. Yes. She doesn't necessarily say that that's what this the, she doesn't is say. Jedi are trained. He's force sensitive, like you said. Yeah, but he, he. She also didn't say they were allies. She also said. Well, they're not allies she, to anybody. They're mercenaries. Yeah. She said that they, because I, I believe Mando said the enemy, and she goes, they weren't enemies. No, but they weren't allies enemies. either. It is the way it comes out. They basically, just worked together because it was holding, for the greater good or whatever. Basically holding, towing the line of whatever the Mandalorian creed is. I don't know. I don't I think guess, she mentions, I don't think the word enemies ever mentioned in that conversation. I don't think allies is We're either. We're going to watch this episode when this is over. We can fast forward through it. Um, so back to me, my favorite thing, I'm, hands down, and everybody knows this, I'm a villain lover. I love the villain in anything. And Moff Gideon was amazing. The fact that he comes out stoic, stone cold, and is like, hey, I'll give you the sundown, and then I'm just going to blow your asses up. And then at the end, and he survives the fucking TIE fighter crash and breaks out the fucking black You knew that was going to happen. That, that to me right yeah. there was just like, this is not going to end this way. This is not, he's not going to go out that way. You're going to see at some point a cut scene where he's coming out of the ship in some way, shape, or form. And he's hold on. I'm kind of my biggest problem with that whole part is not that he survived. The fact that he came out of that without even a scratch on it. You just crashed a fucking spaceship bro you should have bloody something somewhere but let's go back to earlier in that episode and we are going longer than i expected but he emerged from that with the saber to show how good he was using the force so he used the force to protect his ass when he crashed i don't think he's not i don't think he's force sensitive at all you don't think so but it doesn't mean he isn't because he was supposedly dead up until this point and then he goes, no, that's Moff Gideon. He's the only one who would know my name. And she, uh, Kara. But he knew all their names. But Kara was like, well, Moff Gideon died. And he's like, nah, that's Moff Gideon. He's the only one who would know my name. And then explains it. And you get that whole flashback. But you, get that whole fla- you get that whole flashback. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, gray matter in this episode. So you mean Mando's brain? No, gray matter going back into the flashback where he's like, that would have been where, where you see the girl. same flashback again of them taking Mando and putting him in 
the ground in, in, in the storm shelter. The door's opening. And there's a Mandalorian, and he's a foundling at that point. At no point, I guess Moff Gideon was the one who no staged that attack. No, oh, stage how attack? does he Possibly. know his name? Like no, that is say, never clarified. Yes, it is. Yes, do. it is. Say he how. says it. It was in a book. Is it was in a, a book or some shit a that records. a yeah. records. Yeah, that that Moff Gideon had access to, and he's the only one who had it. And it has to do with that attack on his home planet. That's in the last episode. It, it, it still makes no sense. All right. We'll, we'll go back and, and take a look at that. All but right. Moff Gideon wrap, wrap it up. Is, is an amazing character, and I would love to see more of him. You're uh, going to see more of him next season. I know. It's going to be great. Um, anybody else have any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to say before we close this out? Season two, baby. When do you think we'll see it? Next November? Next yeah. fall. I think they, they said next fall. Don't quote me on that, but I'm going next fall. Uh, definitely a lot better than I expected. And I still stick to what I said. Last episode of this series, better than the latest Movie. feature film. I have one question. Sure. For both of you. Do you feel what you watched was worth $15 million an episode? Do you feel you got your $15 million worth? It's not my fifteen. What the fuck yeah. do I care? How much no, no, no. I'm just... When, okay, every feature film you go and watch and they say, this film cost, Avengers uh, Endgame yeah. cost a bazillion amount of dollars to make. Yeah. Some people are like, I feel like I got my money's worth. Out. Like, I feel like the money they put into that was well worth my three hours of time. It paid off, yeah. Do you feel no, that them actually, spending... I, would, I wouldn't... I don't measure a film like that. There are low-budget films that are better than, like, $1 billion. And it has nothing Don't, to do with what I'm not I questioning that. I'm, I'm questioning we're talking about a company that has limitless pockets. Does it and for them like to make a point, for them to make episode. a point to come out and say, we're dumping $15 million per episode. I think you need to change your question. I think you do, too. The question I think you're trying to ask is, do you think every episode measures up to being $15 million worth of whatever they put into sure. it? Sure. Same question. Because it's not asked my fifteen million dollars. Do I think I got my money? No, I paid eight dollars. I paid eight dollars a month to, to watch this. See, it, yeah. it's. Do you feel the production quality of each of these episodes What's 15? warranted the fifteen million dollar price tag? I, I feel like I can't comment on that because I don't know shit about budgets and anything in film. For all I know, um, fifteen million dollars could you know I don't know how far that goes in TV. Between salaries, look at all the directors. They have big names attached to this, and not in casting, but in direction and they paid they paid a small ransom to get Pablo Pascal to voice the role. No, well, I don't know. I can't tell you. I don't even. Know I, who I didn't the hell know, he know he, is he was. This. I don't watch a lot of TV in general. So again, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm a good judge of that. How about you? I mean, if this is what fifteen million dollars looks like, I want more of it. So okay, sure. You answered the question. Um. That being said, uh, you have to go to the Geekery because they have some stuff for you there. Oh, great. So be sure to visit them at 331A Main Street in Matawan, New Jersey for all your comic needs. Maybe I'll go tomorrow. Do it. I will. All right. And check out their website. they have more Firefly for me? They do, actually. There's a trade paperback that's in, that's in your file. Um, uh, now you got me all screwed up. Check them out on the web at thegeekerynj.com. Check them out on Facebook, The Geekery NJ. Same thing on Instagram and Twitter. 
Also, check out our website. We have nothing going on there yet, but we will soon at nerdcaster.com. Ren, do you want to plug anything? No. Okay. And uh, <laughs> that'll do it. Anybody else got anything to say? Nope. All right. Go watch The Mandalorian. Nerdcaster out.